0: great song uh, for us as we think about uh, serving the Lord and as we think about this new year. Um, Thank you all for being here. I do want to say this. uh, I'm glad for all of you coming. Um, I always want to give reminders. uh, If the weather is bad, maybe you shouldn't come to church. Okay, that's the only reason. That's the only reason. I don't want any of you being on the ditch. Uh, I don't know if everyone made it. There was intended. There was, there was a, it's kind of foggy right now, and there was a little bit foggier earlier. I was hoping none of you missed the, the turn. Uh, we've had that happen before. I, I just want to just be wise. Uh, there's days to be heroic, but they're not every day, okay? And maybe some of the snow days you can dial in from home. Um, but then the next week, we'll get you the next week. Go to both services or something like that. I don't know. But, anyways, it's good. Um, God is good, and uh, we're in a new year, 2024. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Uh, we, that's where we'll be today. And uh, I, I, I'm always reminded at the beginning of a new year. I don't know if you are, um, I don't know how a new year hits you. Uh, the idea of being done with a, a year of completion. Uh, it's always interesting, we always think of completing a year as being some significant thing, and you don't really have to do anything, you know, the New Year's going to come in with or without you, right? Uh, you can argue with it or not, but it's going to come, and that's true for the next year as well. Uh, I don't know if, uh, it's always interesting, uh, I know kids, a lot of times, high school and college-age kids, they, they many times get excited about the New Year, they they know if they're 15, they go, oh, this next year is going to be a great year because I'm going to get my license. I'm going to get my license. And uh, parents have fear. Kids get excited. Uh, Maybe a few years from there, they say, oh, this year is going to be great. I'm going to graduate from high school. uh, And maybe i got plans. I'm going to head off to do this or that, go to college, whatever that is. They get excited about the future. And they think about what things they're going to accomplish and do. It's interesting also, I, I think about my dad who's passed away a few years back. And uh, in the last years of his life, I would say even the last 10 years, I heard him say over and over and over again, uh, when it came to a new year, he says, I don't, I don't make resolutions. I just, always my prayer is that I would graciously graciously accept all that the Lord has for me this next year. And I didn't think about it at the time, but as I reflect on that that prayer of his over and over again I go that's the prayer of an older man Uh, when you're young you just assume that everything's going to happen the way you want it to this next year you have all this hope and excitement and you're like everything's going to get better and the older you get you realize as you chart your your life you realize there were things that came up that you didn't have planned and that somehow were a part of God's plan for you And yet you didn't necessarily want them. And this idea of graciously accepting that which the Lord has for you. As I think about this next year, I don't know where you you sit. I don't know if you look at this next year with excitement and hope. Or maybe even fear and dread. Maybe some things that you you see looming out there. Maybe some of you have uh, relationships that you're concerned about. Maybe you're, you're thinking of something exciting like a graduation or a move of some sort. Maybe some of you are anticipating surgery, which I'm sure is a terrible thought. Um, or maybe there's, there's some of you here today that are news watchers, and you look at our world and you go, what is going on in 2024, and where, you know, where is this world going, and what on earth are we doing and uh, what craziness will we be a part of in this new year? And maybe you ask the question, how can we have a great year? How can I, in the midst of the things that I'm doing, that I know about, things that come up, or maybe the world that I live in, how can I have a great year? I want to bring up a second issue, and hopefully this will all tie together uh, It does in my mind, and maybe that's a scary place to go. But um, the second thing I want to ask you is this Who should? Who should? And you say, Who should what? Well, uh, who should shovel snow? Who should uh, take the trash out? I want you to think about this. You don't have to answer out loud. Don't point either. Don't point either, okay? Who should make dinner? Who should make dinner? Who should go to work tomorrow? Who should go to work tomorrow? Who should pay the bills? Who should discipline my kids? Who should comfort my kids? Who should go to the grocery store? Who should give? Who should teach Sunday school? Who should clean? Who should lead? I think that these are questions that come up and I, I get these questions from my own heart. I I walk around our house and our property and many times I look at something and I say, somebody should do that. Dan, where's Dan? You know, uh, um, Rebecca, you know. Um, I, I think about things like that and I, I often look at things and I, I, I ask the question, who should do that? And And if you're, How many of you have siblings? I mean, uh, you know about having siblings, right? When it's a job around the house, it's always like, who should do it? They should do it. It's not my job. I did it last time. Uh, I might want to ask this question, too. Who should change the diaper? Young parents, you know about that, right? I did it last time. I did it last time. I remember my dad and I, we were taking care of the youth pastor's kid when I was in college. And I don't know how that happened, to be honest with you. That just seemed like a bad idea. I was in college, and my dad was far beyond raising kids. And and the kid, you know, did number two, uh, and it was evident. It was evident, you know. It was, it was, it was just taking, and, and my dad and I look at each other, and I'm like, nah, dad, that's you. Never done this before. This is out of my pay grade right here, you know. Uh, We we have these instances that come up and we ask the question, who should do it? Who should do it? I I want you to think about that this morning as we go to God's word. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20 down through verse 28. This is God's word. Then the mother uh, of the sons of Zebedee uh, came up to him. With her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, uh, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink. Uh, my cup, but to sit on my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, For it is, uh, but it is for those who, for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard it, they were indignant, they, I can't say that, indignant, thank you, uh, at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be, among, uh, n- not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. God, we ask your blessing on your word and we ask that you would open our hearts that we might hear this, that we might see ourselves different, that we might follow our Savior, not our flesh. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to uh, look at this request of two men and their mother uh, and be taught uh, the way of greatness uh, we'll be following the roadmap that our Savior gave us. We come to verse 20 and and it's a request, it's a request and it says the mother of the sons of Zebedee, meaning probably the wife of the mother or wife of Zebedee, Zebedee most likely was a fisherman. We see this from his sons, James and John being fishermen, adult sons. I don't know how adult of a son uh, they were. We don't know their ages. We don't know their ages at this time. We, there's some assumptions that we can have. Jesus was in his early 30s, mid to early 30s. Um, and so we assume disciples, meaning probably that which is younger, which would drop them into the probably the just 30 to maybe even late teens, brothers being different ages, okay? And so we don't know. We don't know how old they are. But if you could picture these two men being in their 20s, And they are with their mother and they're coming before Jesus. Um, I I, I just want to say this. This isn't a teaching of the scriptures, but I do think this is wisdom. And this is for you moms right here. Once Once your sons get to be a certain age, you should not be doing things like this. Especially in their 20s. Right, moms, are you with me? Okay. It's fine if you go talking for your kids when they're in elementary school. You know, that, that, that's fine. They need a mom. When they're in their 20s, it's probably not the time anymore. Uh, some of you are a little nervous about that because you're concerned about your 20, late teen, 20-year-old, and you're like, I, I still have some things that I want to see done. i want to tell you, moms, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. That's just my warning to you. Uh, hopefully, that's kind of Solomonic wisdom or something like that. Anyways, um, you see a mom uh, with her two adult sons, 20-year-old men, uh, most likely men who could do stuff. They were fishermen. They were probably more than adequately uh, manly. In fact, in the, in the book of Mark, it refers to these as the sons of thunder, Doesn't that sound like a great 80s rock band or something like that? The Sons of Thunder. Um, It's interesting. Jesus gave the, he referred to them as the Sons of Thunder. And and we don't necessarily know why. He doesn't, you know, we assume that that kind of is a good thing, right? It sounds like a powerful team. Sometimes we give people nicknames because they're reckless. Maybe that's part of it too. I don't know. I don't know all that Jesus was thinking when he referred to them as the sons of thunder. But now we're seeing them as the sons of Zebedee and their mother is coming. These sons of thunder, uh, these powerful men, their mother is speaking for them before the Savior. It says this, that, they, that she kneeled before Jesus. And uh, we don't know her, um, her heart in all that uh, Many times we give moms a pass all the time. Oh, she's just a mom. Um, But she kneels before Jesus, possibly uh, in respect, possibly in flattery, hoping that she can somehow manipulate the situation to get what she wants. And I would say this, to get also what James and John want. And what is it? We're going to see here. She kneels before uh, the, the Savior, the king, and she asks for something. If you look down at verse 21, she, this is her request. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left. It seems, a, a, a I don't know if a reasonable... Uh, Request, But but you understand it, don't you? If you're a parent, you understand wanting to get a good spot for your kids, even adult kids, right? You want them to be in a good spot. And sometimes, you know, as you think about who you are and, um, you know, some some realize you have to ask for business sometimes, right? You have to be sales and marketing, right? And so maybe nobody had asked already about this situation and, and maybe they talked about it and said, wouldn't it be great? And so we go to Jesus and we ask for something, even in, in some ways asking for a blank check. Jesus, could you give me whatever I want? And this is what I want. I want for my sons to sit on the right and on the left. And, and the, the request is what? It's, it's a request for position. Position in his kingdom. I, I don't want to pass that over. He says, uh, "One on your," she says, "One on your right and one on your left in your kingdom." One of the things that was constantly in the background and it, sometimes in the foreground was that Jesus, when he spoke of his kingdom, they assumed right now, right now, soon. He's going to overthrow the governments, the local governments, Romans and others. He's going to push them all aside, and Jesus was going to be installed as the king. And they were thinking, when that happens, when that happens, can we be on the right and on the left? Can we be the most important people in your kingdom next to you? I think we can all understand desiring that, but what uh, amazing thing that they asked for it, and especially in this uh, account that the mom did the talking. <laughs> the mom did the talking. You, you can look in the book of Mark, and it doesn't speak of the mother, but it was obviously a group effort. mom and the sons coming. Uh, and, and it's in his kingdom, in his kingdom. They, they knew that he was the king, So they said, how can we be important under the king? Uh, And it's a logical piece that is put together. So, So we see the request of the mother, but not just the request of the mother. I believe it's James and John as well. The request. You look down to verse 22 and you see the response of Jesus. The response of Jesus. This is how it goes. He says, Jesus answered... You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink of the cup, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. His response is asking questions and questions. This is many times how Jesus led people to think and to teach them as uh, he was responding to them. He says, "You you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking." And uh, to which they probably responded, "Yeah, we do. We know what we're asking. We're asking. I want the great position. Can I have the great position? Can I be special in your kingdom?" Can I have the place that I want to have? Jesus says, you don't understand what you're asking. And and he's saying, you want to stand out. You want to follow me. This is how you do it. He's going to get there. But they're asking how to be great. Jesus tells him and he asks him about the cup that he was about to drink. And I I want you to think about this right now. I, I don't think... These two young men, this mom, these other 10, really understood what we understand today. I don't think they understood. They were asking questions, just, just physical, pragmatic, today-type questions. Uh, for those of you men here today that are older, do you remember what it was like to be 20 years old? Some of you are having PTSD right now, right? Right? You're, you're, you're purposely forgetting, right? You're going, oh, I, I don't recall. I don't recall what, what that was like. You know, I, I can't remember. Um, there were a lot of crazy thoughts, right? There were a lot of uh, ideas and things and, and pushing and shoving for position and wanting what was best and reckless living. And in the midst of that, these men asked with their mom, and Jesus answered and he says, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? You, you, you remember some of that same type of language that Jesus spoke as he prayed in the garden before he went to be crucified. And he says, take this cup from me. And the picture of a cup is like, uh, you could say medicine. That's probably not a good thing, but it's like, this is what you have for the future. And, and you can imagine A lot of times when you're unsure about what it is to drink, what do you do? Some of you smell it. You're like, I don't know know about that. And you say, no, no, you need that. And you say, I'll just take a sip. I'll just take a sip. But the picture here is this. Are you able to drink and are you able to follow the same path, the same thing that I'm going to follow? Are you able to drink at all? They quickly answer and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we got it. Whatever whatever you say, whatever you say, whatever you have for me. And that's always interesting. Uh, if, if, If you've been around young people, especially young men, if you get them excited, if you get them excited, if they trust your leadership, what will they do for you? They'll run through a wall, right? They'll run through a wall. They'll, they'll jump off a mountain. They'll jump out of a plane. You know, if you if you get their confidence, they'll say, oh, we'll do anything. And I believe that that's what these disciples had. They're like, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. We can do it. We can do it. Jesus made it clear to them or said it clearly. He says, as they said, we are able... Uh, he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and on my left hand uh, is not mine to grant, but it's for those whom, the, uh, whom it was being prepared by the Father. Jesus knew, uh, he, he knew a couple things, he, he knew a bunch of things, but what he was referring to is, first of all, he knew his path, he knew his path. They didn't understand, but he was marching toward the cross, he was marching toward the cross. He was purposefully marching towards the cross. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that he was going to be rejected. He knew all all these things and, and then give his life. And he knew that that was where this was going. They didn't understand. And they didn't understand also that in them following after Christ, they too would experience persecution, suffering, trials, and eventually death. This is what, and so Jesus goes, yeah, you will. Uh, you, you're not ready for it, but you will experience. This is my response to you. Um, but know this, that this idea of my right or my left, that is the Father's desire and the Father's will that decides that. It's not about your will. It's not about what you can do. It's not about you getting what you want. I, I just want to stop and say this what was the heart of James and John and his mom and their mom? Me, me, me. Me, me, me. How do I get to be first? How do I get to be first? How do I get what I want? How do I get what I want? And and, and I as I read this, I, I, I don't want to be too hard on James and John and their mom, especially their mom. But, but, Sometimes we fashion our lives in such ways that we're just trying to seek what we want. When we look at 2024, we say, well, what do I want? What do I want to see happen? And how can I work it? How can I work it in such a way that I'm comfortable, that I'm happy, that I'm satisfied? How can I get what I want? And even as you think through what we pray for, How can I pray for what I want so that God would give me what I want so that I can be in the place of importance and greatness? How can I get what I want? My life, my boys, our greatness, me first. Which brings us to verse 24, the reaction, the reaction. Let's say reaction because if you look at verse 24, it's really the reaction that you see of the, the other 10? What does it say about them? They're indignant, meaning they're mad. Why were they mad? Think about that. 20-year-olds, 20-year-olds, two of them say, uh, we want to have the place of prominence. You only have two sides, right and the left. We want to be right there. Why were the other two 10 mad? We don't exactly know, it doesn't say, but, but we can imagine, we can imagine, we go, oh, they think they're better than us. And, and, and I'm sure some of them were doing the math and like ranking themselves and they go, those guys don't even rank. I'm way ahead of them. It's always funny, uh, kids on the playground, they'll, they'll stand around talking and they say, well, I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm taller than you. I'm heavier than you. I'm skinnier than you. Yeah, but I'm better at math than you. Who cares about math? You know, and, 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 and they're always looking for something that they're above others in, right? We always do this and, and we're ranking and we're saying, you know, I'm above them. I'm above them. I, I, I need to be better. And so these 10, as they heard this, and we don't know if they, they saw the mom ask the question, we don't know if they were right there or if they were over there or if one of them was there and they came back and reported, you know what they were talking about over there? Uh, and, and yet they heard it and they, it says that they were mad, they were indignant these, at these two brothers. And Jesus takes their reaction and he uses it to teach us a powerful lesson. On how we view ourselves and what life is all about and the way we should handle 2024. And here it is, here it goes. Verse 25. But Jesus called them to him. And he says, Gather around, I got, I got something to say. And he says, You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their, their great ones exercise authority over them. Well, what is he saying? Well, the ten were mad. And he says, let me tell you about leadership. How many of you have ever read a book on leadership? Read a book on leadership. There's a billion books on leadership. I looked up a few lists on the most popular books, and there's a lot of them. And and even, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I looked at the titles, and some of the titles were super inspiring to me. And I go, man, that's great. I feel like a better leader because you read the book. No, I just read the title and it was great. It was great. And I got all inspired by these great leaders uh, because I read the title of their book. Okay, the title. If you look at verse 25, Jesus called them and he said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, who are the rulers of the Gentiles? If you think of Gentiles, we've been talking about this from the book of uh, Galatians. The Gentiles are the non-godders, right? The non-believers. The outside of God's blessing. The ones who reject God and are doing it on their own. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of great principles of leadership outside the family of God that you can accomplish a lot of things by reading those books. They have ways of doing things that are smart and effective and efficient and can magnify productivity and all those things. There's tons of ways of doing it outside of God's methods. and That's what he says. He says, look, he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. How did they know? How did they know? Because they were living, right? They were living under the Romans. Knew about the Jews' power structure, right? Maybe they'd come from another land and they knew about the leaders over there. And, And leaders, they know how to lead sometimes. Some of them are good leaders. Some of them inspire people. And how do they do it? Lording it over them. And, and, and grabbing at authority. And, and they would have thought about what? The pharaohs. They were gone, but it was part of their history. The sheiks, the Caesars, the Herods, the presidents, the CEOs, the governors, the bosses, the speakers of this house or that house. And he's saying, they have a way to do things. And I want to tell you, today in our world, there's plenty of ways to lead that are effective, and they get stuff done outside, outside of God's methods, God's ways. And so Jesus says, hey, I want to tell you, you all know how they do it outside of God's family. You all know. And they go, yeah, we know. They would have probably had leaders that they would have looked to, and they say, oh, a powerful leader. They know how the Gentiles do it. They have a way about them. In verse 26, it shall not be so among you. That's a transition. You know how they do it. It shall not be true of you. And and I want to mark it for us here at Bear Valley Church. Leadership, greatness, getting what we want, getting what we want. That may be a goal, that may be something that we desire, but God's got a different way. Christ has his own way that he wants to describe and educate his disciples. These 20-year-old men who are pushing and shoving and ambitious and wanting to be great, he says, I want to share with you something, and you too, Mom, I want you to get in here too. I want you to know The Gentiles have their way. It shouldn't be like that among you. You have a different way. I have a different way. Verse uh, 26. He he says this, and it's so, he turns the world on its head. He says, but whoever would be great among you. And you say, oh, that's me. That's me. He's calling my name. I I." I want that. I am that. I want to be great among these 12. These other 11 chumps here, like, I want to be great among them. How do I do it? He says, oh, this is going to be great. He's instructing. This is the method. You must be, he must be your servant. What? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. And immediately in a man's heart, that, that, that starts to bristle, right? I, 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 I want to bring you back to uh, who should, who should, who should take out the trash? Who, who, who should pay? Who, who, who should do the laundry? Who should clean the dishes, right? Who should chop the wood? Who, who should clean the, the fireplace? Who should wipe their feet, Right? Uh, as you think about these things, you're going, well, in your mind, you're going this, that, and the other thing. I want to tell you a story, uh, just a quick one. Uh, my first boss was my dad. And uh, I had a little things here and there, but the first real job where I got a paycheck was my dad. And I, he, he worked in construction, and he was in charge of a few job sites, and I was on his job site. And I, I remember, I must have been loafing, and I don't know what I was doing, but, but he pulls me aside, and he goes, Kev, I want you to know, That guy right over there, he's a carpenter. He makes $35 an hour. I'm like, sweet, man. That seems like a good job. He's making $35 an hour. And he goes, you, you make $10 an hour. Your time isn't as important as his time. He he shouldn't be carrying lumber. He shouldn't be rolling up the cords. He shouldn't be doing anything. You serve him. Why? Why? you're a $10 an hour guy and he's a $35 an hour guy. Do you understand that? And I'm like, got it, got it. I remember thinking about that and going, oh man, maybe one day I'll be a $35 an hour guy. And so I don't have to carry lumber anymore. And I could yell at the people who make $10 an hour and and, and have them go get my lumber for me and roll up the cords and get like, like they do all the, and, and I remember thinking, My life is not as important as that guy's life. I I, want to tell you that these are the issues that we struggle with. And and Jesus told those 20-year-old men, right? He says, I want to explain to you what it is to be great. If you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be significant, be a servant. If you want to have those, those good positions in my kingdom, be a servant. This is hard to grasp, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. And I'm sure these 20-year-old guys going, what did he say? How does this work? I want to say this again because I think it's important to remember he, he says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever is great must be your servant. And then he says this, whoever would be first among you would be a slave. And he's saying this to these 20-year-old men. and, and They're followers of Jesus. And I can imagine them doing this thing of going, okay, got it. Serve. I got it. Jesus is the boss. He's the, he, he's the guy who knows stuff. I don't know anything. Serve. Got it. Still doesn't make sense. He uses two words here, uh, two words that are are, are very similar, but um, two Greek words for serve or slave. The first one is to to serve or to wait upon. It's the idea of being the laborer or probably uh, used in different places as a table a waiter or a waitress, right? They're, they're serving the ones who are eating and they're, they're getting what they need and they're bringing it and they're serving them and, and, and providing for their needs. The, the second word is, is translated slave. Um, it, it's, it's doing that with a disregard of one's own interests. Think about that. They're not just doing service But they're doing service at sacrifice or at cost to themselves. This is the picture. This is the picture. This is what he says is about being first or about being great. And these young men are probably going, wow, that's different. Never heard this before. This is stuff I've never heard anyplace else before. And I'm sure James, John, and mom were flipping out. They were sorry they asked, right? Maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know. Jesus says something here that is so, like, amazing, sobering, like changes the conversation altogether, explains it. He doesn't just say what they're supposed to do, be a slave, be a servant. But but if you look down at how he illustrates this, In verse 28 is this, And even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Um, Jesus refers to Himself as the Son of Man. And there's a lot of layers of the Son of Man that that He could have been thinking about. But I want to say this first. When He refers to Himself as the Son of Man, He's connecting himself to them. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. And, and they wouldn't have said, well, he's just like us. They would say, no, he's, he's the one. He's the one that we're following. He's in charge. He's the one we're listening to. He's the one who's deciding. He's the one with wisdom. Uh, he is the king. He's the son of man, but he refers to him as a son of, himself as the son of man. He is referring to his own humanity, but not just to his own humanity. He he was setting himself up as the example of how to live, how to live. And what's so amazing about this is that they knew him to be the king. They knew him to be the king. In fact, the mom, what did she say? In your kingdom, in your kingdom. I know that you're going to have a kingdom. I know that you will be over all. I know that you're the one. And so, uh, as Jesus spoke to them, he says, the son of man, speaking of himself. And and he puts himself as this one who is like them, but also a model to them. He says this, and and it's, it's the ultimate example in verse 28. Even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We've just gotten done uh, with celebrating the birth of Christ, the incarnation, right? Why did Jesus come? Why is it that Jesus left uh, the side of the Father to come down to earth? And, And it's hard for us to grasp and this is one of the passages that tells us. What does it tell us? He came To be king. Is that what it says? Not in this passage, right? Much of the prophecy is about him being the king of kings, right? That him being the one, the, the throne of David, right? This is the one, the king. But in this passage, it tells us another side. Why did Jesus come? He came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. I want to point out two things about his, his service, his service. Um, a lot of times uh, here at church, we say, hey, we, we got some needs. We got some needs. We, we need someone to work in the nursery. We need to work in the nursery. And you say, well, you know, I, I don't really like kids. I don't really like kids. I'd rather dig a hole outside in the snow. And watch babies, okay? That may be you. Um, I, I want you to get this picture in, in your mind of Christ's service to us. The, the first part, he tells us this. It, it says that, and and he uses the word ransom. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, but all this is driving to what Christ was the purpose that he came, and what he did, and what it cost him. First of all, it says this, to give his life, to give his life. Uh, As you think about this, as I think about this, I I think of uh, Jesus speaking of himself in uh, John chapter 10. It's all the shepherd, the picture of the shepherd. And it says of the shepherd what? that he lays down his life for the sheep, okay? And you you could ask the question, what does it cost the shepherd to be a shepherd to the sheep? His life, his life. And I, I wanna tell you, that's why Jesus came and that's how he served. He gave his life, he gave his life. The second thing I wanna tell you is this, it says, and gave his life a ransom for many, that word ransom, we're going to, this is a display of what we're talking about when I say ransom. And you say, well, ransom, you think of someone who's captive and there's a, a ransom that's paid for their freedom. That's, that is the word. It's the word of loosing or, or, or the chains being broke open, right? That they would be freed, And it says that how did Christ serve is that he served, he gave his life, why? For the price that he would free, that he would ransom many. Who are the many? Who are the many? First of all, we don't know, right? We don't know who the many are. But if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are part of the many. I'm part of the many. And this is such a sobering, hard thing for us to grasp is that the King of Kings came to serve and to serve by giving his life. And he served by giving his life that I would be ransomed. It's about people. I want to point something out. Um, He didn't ransom his life for animals. He did not. He did not. I know you love your dogs, your horses, even your chickens. He did not ransom his life for animals. He did not ransom his life for stuff, for stuff. I I, want to tell you, some of us, I don't want to meddle too much here this morning, but some of us have too much stuff, and we like our stuff too much. And, and, and you say, well, you know, I, I, I serve. Well, how do you serve around your house? Well, I, I organize. I clean and I organize. And it makes me feel really good when everything's in order and I feel good about myself. And if someone says, did you serve? You say, yes, I served. How did you serve? I cleaned today. I organized. I I, I shine my car. I cleaned my car. And and, and who who is the person that you served? And you say, well, that's a hard question to answer. Who, who did you serve? Well, uh, I, I served by organizing. So, so was it, is it your stuff that you served? Is it your stuff? I, I served by cleaning my car. Well, is your car really happy? Is your car blessed? I, I, I want to encourage you. As you think about serving, there better be a person on the other end. Better be a person, you know. uh, As you change a diaper, there's a person on the other end. It's not all about the diaper, right? As you cook a meal, there's a person on the other end, right? It should be blessed by that, right? It's not just about the meal. You have a home that you clean. It's not just about keeping a clean home. It's for the people who live in that home. As you come to church here and as, as you see things and as you're a part of and as you, you, you clear the, the walkway, well, it's for those people who are going to come so they don't wipe out, you know. I, I, I want us, I think it's important for us to remember that we serve, as Christ served, He served people. He gave His life for people. The picture here for us, the example for the disciples and us even if we're not 20 years old anymore, is to this, that we should come to serve, to give our lives for others, for people. Let me conclude by these three thoughts. Um, And the the first one we really haven't talked about, but I I think it it should be like falling off a log right now. Um, The first thing I want to tell you is you should desire to be great. You should desire to be great. I see this all the time. I've seen it in jobs. I've seen it in um, baseball teams. I've seen it in politics and this and that. When somebody desires to be great, there's always the 10 other ones, right? They're like, who does he think he is? And and sometimes there's a pride of mediocrity, right? They think they're so great. I'm not great. I'm a loser, (laughs) you know, and I'm good at it. You know, I'm not going to try at all. I'm not going to try at all. I'm just going to be mediocre like everybody else. The, The thing that was wrong in the mom and James and John was not a desire to be great. It was a desire to be great without being great. And somehow above their peers, not because of what they were achieving, not because of what they were even desiring, but it was just to be great, just to be above them. Desire to be great. If God's given you life to live, do the best you can, do the best you can. Desire for God to do things in you that you would be around and be a part of his greatness. Second thing is this, and this is really, really the heart of the passage. See yourself as a servant. See yourself as a servant. As you walk around your house, as you walk around your job, as you walk around this church, as you you see opportunities and things like this, I, I, I want to tell you this. This is very important. See yourself as a servant. Some of you are nervous to serve too much. You're you're afraid of what it's going to cost. When, when you see my my name come up on your phone, you're like, oh no, I'm afraid to answer. I'm afraid to answer. What if he asks me to do something? Brandon's even worse. Have you ever got that guy call? Right? You know you know he's got something, right? Maybe, maybe you think about that around your house and you're like, the conversation starts and you're like, I don't know, my wife's going to ask me to do another thing. I don't want to. I don't want to. See yourself as a servant. See yourself as a servant. And, and may your first answer be yes. May your first answer be yes. This idea, whatever, whatever I'm a servant. I'm ready to go, right? What if it cost you? That's what servants do, right? How did Jesus live? Well, his service cost him his life for people, for people. Lastly, I'd say this, and I really want to connect the first thing I said with the last thing I said here, all for his glory, all for his glory. If you desire to be great and to do great things, great, all for his glory, all for his glory. This isn't about you being great. It's not you getting the the right or the left position. It's about you being in the midst of the 12 or whoever the mob that he's got you a part of is you doing and being what he wants you to be all for his glory. All that the disciples do was meant to point to Jesus and what he has done. And then after he was gone, it was about planting his church and, and the church prospering over the generations And this is all for his glory, not for yours. If you're driven, if you're driven by desiring to be great and that others acknowledge you as great, you miss the point, you miss the point. It's that we would do all of this for his glory, not our own. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I pray that it would um, just be in our hearts and like, remind us this week as we look around and as we see things that need to be done and people who need to be served may we um with vigor of a 20 year old uh serve serve and that you may sort out places and things and ways we can serve god may we see ourselves as servants may we not see ourselves as uh kings in charge that need glory for ourselves, but that all of the things of our life might bring you glory. God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, uh, not just his example of going to the cross, but that he ransomed his life for us. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.